If you enjoy this episode of Obscure Obsessions, please remember to rate us, review us, and subscribe. Thank you for your support. And now, Mini Obsessions. I don't know. I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Goldblum deserves He's better than that. He deserves so much more. I'm trying to decide... I was going to say, what are you going to recommend to him? Yeah, I'm trying to decide. I have I have two. Uh, do you want to go first or should I go first? Why don't you go oh, first? Oh, I went first. You went first the last time. I always think I go first because... As our friend Salah says, yeah. asps. Very, Very dangerous. dangerous. Apparently, he's, he's in the new one. Really? You know he's in five. I read somewhere that was very incorrect saying that the new title of Indiana Jones 5 is Indiana Jones. I hope to uh, whoever that pagan god Kali. was, Kali, that, that that is not, they don't go the, or they don't call it the same title as the first movie. You know, right. they, do, they did that by the Scream. Screams and Halloween. Halloween they yeah. always do that. Yeah. No, you can't do that with Indiana Jones. Well, speaking of Indiana Jones, what a segue. That's a great segue. <laughs> a few weeks ago, you know what I'm going to recommend. I think so. A yeah. few weeks ago, uh, Megan and I were having a conversation well, first we were, we had a conversation about film adaptations of great literary works. Oh, okay. It's a strange conversation to have, right. a, have with a girl who has a encyclopedic knowledge of the We Sing of catalog. The we, Sing catalog. <laughs> we were talking about uh, God, like Shakespeare adaptations, right. and and um, well, that seems Mark like Twain. the most obvious thing because there's so many of right. them. Somehow the conversation evolved or devolved okay. into talking about Harrison Ford films. Mm. And of course, we were talking about. Movies like the Star Warses, which she refuses to see some of them, uh, the Blade Runners, <laughs> which I refuse to see some of those, and like the Indiana Joneses, which during the course of that week I uh-huh. was very determined to rewatch all of them. And you did. They were showing on, uh, I think it was Showtime. Mm-hmm. First was on King of the Crystal Skull, then on was Raiders. Oh, so I, no I saw. Weird... I, I think I, I think it was on Showtime. Like I started on Showtime two. No, I started on Showtime 1, which gotcha. is like the East Coast. Oh, okay. And so I kind of got back to the beginning of the marathon on on Showtime 2, which is West Coast. Oh, okay. Anyways, Kingdom, then Raiders, in, then, okay. Temple of Doom, and then I just had many interruptions. During <laughs> Temple of Doom and... No, during um, Crusade. Crusade, which I finally got to watch. But then we were talking about lesser-remembered Harrison Ford films. Okay. And I suddenly remembered... A movie that I saw on television, like Encore or Stars or one of those, okay. many, many years ago. Many a moon ago. Yes. Which was the first collaboration mm-hmm. between Harrison Ford and J.J. Abrams. Okay. Who at the time was going by the name Jeffrey Abrams, which is what the one J stands oh, for. God. I don't know what the second J stands for. I don't care. Do you, see Rise, do you see Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> I don't care anymore what the second J is. And it's a movie called Regarding Henry. Oh, you, you've been talking about this a lot. I have been obsessed with this movie re- regarding Henry. I've been talking about it constantly since I rewatched. <laughs> I ordered it. It came the next day. And then like three days later, I watched it. I, I, I was watching Frankenstein movies. You have, to, ex- you have to excuse me. Regarding Henry was written by J.J. Abrams, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Abrams at the time. And was directed by Mike Nichols, who oh directed fantastic director, you know many things, Birdcage and Carnal Knowledge, and unfortunately The Graduate, which many people like, I don't. <laughs> but regarding Henry, bills itself as a drama, 
but is in fact a complete fantasy that exists in no reality I've ever seen. Okay. Here's the plot. Harrison Ford plays a jerk, narcissistic, like corporate, not corporate, but, but a, a big time lawyer. Uh-huh. The film begins with him. He's defending a, uh, a hospital against a malpractice suit that's being brought against the hospital by this very old-looking, very pathetic-looking couple. You see this couple, and you immediately feel bad for them. They, they, they claim that the hospital screwed something up. And Harrison Ford's character, Henry, essentially blames the husband's medical problems on, on the husband. Like, it was his fault that something was screwed up at the hospital. Oh, so he's like one of those like just cutthroat, right? And he, only for the money, right? He has no stuff. sympathy at all for the hu- for the husband. I, I think the husband claimed that he informed the hospital of some kind of previous condition, and that the hospital ignored it. And the hospital is claiming, no, we didn't ignore it. You never told us. Gotcha. In any case, Jerkosaurus. He Harrison Ford is so narcissistic. He has a terrible relationship with his daughter. A terrible relationship with his wife, played by the great uh, Annette Bening, the future Mrs. Uh, Warren Beatty. And one night, after yelling at someone about the shape of a table that was delivered, oh. and telling his daughter that, how dare you spill apple juice on my piano. Uh, oh, is it a young daughter? It's a, Yeah, she's like, I don't know, 12 or something. Okay, gotcha. This was 91, so Harrison Ford was sort of, this was obviously after Star Wars, but before he became... Old right. Harrison Ford. He's still young. Patriot Games. Yeah, era. he's yeah, he's that era Harrison Ford. Gotcha. Harrison Ford decides he's gonna go out to a convenience store. He goes to the quick stop essentially. Really? But rather than Jay and Silent Bob there, it's a young, not yet famous John Leguizamo. Oh. Before he attained heights of fame and fortune in Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything. And spawn. Julie Newmar. And John Leguizamo shoots Harrison Ford in the head. Whoa. The bullet blows right through his skull. Oh. And Harrison Ford drops down on the ground. That took a turn. <laughs> then cuts to the hospital where Harrison Ford is a vegetable. Really? He's dribbling out of his mouth. Everything looks horrible. But he's but he but somehow the bullet they explain this, but somehow the bullet it did damage, obviously, as as a bullet through the head tends to do. Right. But he survived. And he's then sent to like a medical rehab where his uh his rehabilitation person is played by Bill Nunn, who you know as Radio Rahim oh. and as Robbie Robertson in the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. He's like... That's fine. He's like uh, J. Jonah's like, sidekick. Okay, gotcha. And so slowly but surely over the course of the first act of the movie, Harrison Ford learns to walk again. He learns to talk again. He learns to draw paintings... Of Ritz crackers. Now, I thought the, the Ritz crackers figured in more prominently in my uh-huh. memory of it. I thought, I, I, for some reason, I remember him like communicating, communicating right using Ritz crackers. But it's really he's he's doing paint. He's doing Bob Ross. Remember Bob Ross, yeah, the, yeah. the Happy Trees guy. Instead of Happy Trees, he's drawing Ritz crackers. Ritz cracker boxes, which figures in a most obnoxious way oh, really? in the end. I won't spoil it. But if you two have been shot through the brain, you can figure out why he's talking about. Not my favorite part. Nonetheless, Harrison Ford, at the end of the first act, has recovered from a major head trauma, Uh but he now has amnesia. So he doesn't really remember. I see where this is going. He doesn't remember his life. He doesn't really remember. He remembers things kind of foggy, and he at first doesn't want to go home because he doesn't know who the wife and kid are. Mm -hmm. But Robbie or uh, Bill Nunn sort of encourages him, and so Harrison Ford goes home. 
and he's now, of course, no longer mean and narcissistic. He's not quite childlike. It's not like he reverted to being a child, but he's mm-hmm. sort of a, he's a blank slate. Okay. And so he's, he, but he's now also a nicer guy. Oh. And so the rest of the movie is about him rebuilding his relationship with his wife and and daughter, which is now completely different because he's he doesn't remember why he was a jerk. He he's sort of been re, he's been uh, reset to being a nice person. Now, this movie is fantasy. Because first of all, at one point in the movie, Harrison Ford goes back to his job as a high-priced lawyer, and he is actually treated as though he was able to handle an actual case. Uh-huh. And this figures in with eventually connecting with the thing about the old couple, and mm-hmm. it's a redemption. It's part of a genre of it's good to have a traumatic incident happen to you because it makes you a nicer person. And the story is ridiculous. Uh-huh. It's incredibly schmaltzy at times. Well, and also, I mean, you know, just leaning into the fact that it'd be one thing if it's like, all right, he was in a car accident or... Which is what I thought it was. And But I don't know much medically in terms of the likelihood of someone surviving a, an incident like that. But right. getting shot through the head yeah. seems fairly... Well, maybe uh, went off to the side a little bit. What, 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 what do you call this part of your, your, your head? Your cranium? It's above your, your, your eye. At any rate, having said all that, it's schmaltzy, and it's of a kind of movie that they used to make in the 90s, in the 80s, 90s, that, that are these kind of very sentimental dramas about people who kind of change in yeah. a, after a traumatic incident and things like that. Having said that, I still liked it. Right. And the best part of it is watching Harrison Ford play a character who's so unlike anything he Har- he's really not does. he's not Indiana Jones he's not confident like Han Solo he's r- actually called upon to really act in this movie right and it's fun to watch I mean look I'll watch Harrison Ford paint a Ritz cracker box any day of the week but it's like you say too you know it's it's outside of something he's known for typically or rather he's being asked and called upon to do something that maybe is outside of what the general audience expects out right of and that's why it's fun and even though the story is very schmaltzy and very sentimental and very at certain points completely unbelievable mm-hmm. you still get caught up in it because it's kind of a little fairy tale almost yeah it's a little you know like uh you know it's almost a resurrection story in a weird way but someone who kind of oh, dies and comes so. back yeah, yeah. As, a, as another person and that benning is great bill nunn is great uh, who else was in the movie? And, and oh, John Leguizamo for his fleeting moment, and of course J.J. Abrams plays a delivery boy, which is gr- I want to see him. Don't you mean Jeffrey? Abrams? Yeah, Jeffrey plays a delivery boy, and uh, yeah, regarding Henry is a movie that I really qualifies for me as an obsession. Well, that's good because I'm I mean, very obsessed. It, it does sound interesting enough that I would just check it out for the sake of I do love Harrison Ford, obviously, and it sounds very against type. And, and that's really the best reason to watch it and to just watch him dribble, spit, learn to walk. <laughs> and paint Ritz There's crackers. a scene where Bill Nunn, in order to get Harrison Ford to talk, furtively puts hot sauce into Harrison Ford's eggs from the cafeteria. Oh. I want any movie that has Harrison Ford choking on spiked eggs, <laughs> I want to watch. So, regarding Henry, 1991, Mike Nichols, not his greatest film, sure. way more enjoyable than The Graduate, but that's just my strange take on the situation. So, regarding well, Henry. I mean, it sounds interesting. So, I, Now, what about you? Well, I have a movie that is not even a little bit remotely close to that. Okay. Um, Let me guess. Okay. Uh, oh, God. I have no idea. Okay. I, I'm not well, not gonna... th- good, good guess. <laughs> 
Guess who? <laughs> is it is it the classic the Bernie, Bernie Mac, Mac classic Ashton Kutcher vehicle? I remember from that the scene in the trailer where they're racing go-karts or something and Bernie Mac the whole joke is he runs off the hill and screams big into the camera that's that was dennis quaid's whole shtick that's true well, uh... he, he drives diagonally up the <laughs> okay all right so i would like to recommend a movie i don't know if you've ever seen it or heard of mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. but it's called mystery men i have heard is, is ben still in this movie yes i've heard of this he I, i've never seen actor. it actor never seen now it. this is a precursor to the superhero fatigue that we have experienced mm-hmm. in the last oh i don't know 10 15 years is Artie lang in this movie Artie lang is in a brief cameo yes that is correct <laughs> the, i'm just gonna give you the cast first please please ben stiller janine garofalo william h macy hank azaria kel mitchell paul rubens greg kinnear jeffrey rush brandy zvenning herself claire for oh my god eddie izzard uh did i mention west studi from deep rising no uh, not allison duty no not allison duty it is a stacked cast of, at that time, still up and coming, and some established, you know, comedians and mm-hmm. uh, great performers of the era. I don't think it is based on any sort of source material. Oh, there was a small comic book series written by Bob Burden about these. But basically, they are the unlikely group of superheroes. You have people that have powers or some sort of ability that's outside of what is the actually good powers Mm -hmm. you have william h macy plays a character called the shoveler and his power is he's really good at shoveling i love this hank azaria plays essentially a person with a split personality who thinks that his personality as the blue raja is sort of an emigrant of england who had studied in india and his ability is that he throws forks really well I i love this kel mitchell plays a character who can only turn invisible if absolutely no one is looking at him. <laughs> oh my God, Kel! You mean from Keenan and Kel Mitchell? I, I had no idea. Yeah. Kel Mitchell did any movie other than Good Burger. Uh, Janine Garofalo plays a bowler who she bowls with the skull of her dead father, and it is he's telepathically controlled by her, so she throws it and it just moves all over the place like flubber. Yes, it's a wild experience. It sounds it because it is still 1999. So effects haven't quite gotten up to what they should be for this type of movie. But the premise alone was interesting to me as a kid. And I remember seeing this when I was probably in early middle school. And the thing I love about this is that it feels more in line with... It's more in line, I guess I would say, with Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. Mm -hmm. But it establishes this world in this city of a same type of level that I think batman and batman returns does where it doesn't feel like any other city that you've been to before but on top of that too the cast is just so much fun ben stiller is kind of he's not exactly tony perkis his character is mr furious and his whole thing is that he gets into great bouts of anger and fury but he always comes across as essentially a kid with a poopy pants of the log right essentially he's he's he does that at points and jeffrey rush is the main baddie he mm. plays casanova frankenstein oh, oh my, i love that and there's all these fun groups that he's recruited that are kind of like the warriors that movie where it's like all sorts of yeah new york gangs there's like the uh the susies and they're like in jumpsuits and have kind of like bowler style haircuts Mm -hmm. there's a disco group there's like a a hip-hop group oh but 
it's done with so much flair and so much fun there really is not much you can do besides smile the whole movie because it's just so absurd paul rubens doesn't necessarily steal the show but he has quite a number of great lines and great number of scenes his character again it, it goes for sophomoric but his character's name is the spleen and he talks to his list and he's <laughs> like hi guys what's going on here and his power is he farts a lot ah i feel like that's one of our characters uh, right <laughs> the only other thing i can say of note about this do you know the song all star by smash mouth for the one from uh, the original shrek now you would think that yes Written for this movie. I did not know that. Because if you go and watch the music video, all of the footage that isn't of the band is from this movie or trying to recreate sequences with those characters in the music video. So so the story of All Star is actually the story of Mystery Men? I guess you could make that argument. Interesting. Wow, I didn't know that. Who Again, directed this film? No one I've ever heard of before directing another movie. The name of Kinka Usher. Oh. It looks like... That was the last thing that they ever did, aside from a few Volvo showroom videos in oh, 2007. I love that, I love that one. <laughs> Look, not a fantastic movie. My nostalgia for it is sky high for it. It's not really a parody of superhero movies because it does end up becoming the thing it's mocking a little bit. Yeah. But I love how dynamic the cast is and how well the cast works together in this. It's essentially an anti-justice league, but it takes place in this like superhero fantasy world and it's done with a charisma and a charm that I think makes it well worth a watch. It is a little bit on the longer side. I think it's just shy of two hours, but it doesn't ever feel like a slowdown at any single point in the movie. And who does uh, Brandy Svenning play? Brandy Svenning plays the love interest of Ben Stiller. Claire Forlorny. She's kind of a... um, Remember in Tenacious D when they're at the diner and uh, Amy Poehler shows up as the waitress who hates her job? Yes. Similar to that role, except then it's fleshed out and she's, you know, she doesn't necessarily like the type of person that Ben Stiller is first portraying himself to be. Oh, and also I see cameos from Dane Cook and Doug Jones. Correct. Dane Cook plays Dane Gould, I a, like uh, a character named the Waffler, and he uh, essentially has like a waffle cut uh, shirt, mm-hmm. and he carries around a truth syrup, and he bashes people on the head with an unplugged-in waffle. It man. sounds like a real, like, blunt man and chronic kind of movie. It like, pretty much it probably... is. Like, I think that's the type of movie that blunt man and chronic actually is in the Jay and Silent Bob. Is world. it better or worse than Jay and Silent Bob's super groovy <laughs> superhero movie? I don't know that I can compare that to that because I haven't seen that. Oh, one. you're lucky. But <laughs> you're lucky. It's, I'd probably prefer Mystery Men. So mystery, I, I like it. So we have Mystery Men. And regarding Henry, I want to could see a cro- not be a less likely double but feature. Regarding Henry, he could be his superpower could be painting Ritz painting Ritz cracker boxes. <laughs> Brilliant. Mini Obsessions is directed and produced by Taylor and Nick Sicario and is a co-production with Tan Productions. Special thanks to Anchor for podcast distribution and to Twin Musicom and Walpurnian Music for providing the score. 
Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for episode details, previews, and more. And check out our blog at obscureobsessionsblog.blogspot.com for movie recommendations, lists, reviews, and articles. We thank you for your continued support. Thank you.